Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. This is like a marriage. Mackey and Judd. Might be boring, but it's stable. On 1500 ESPN. Reckless speculation. You Darvish to the Cubs means one thing right off the top. The Cubs are, again, solid favorites to win the National League Central. You always got to keep your eye on the quiet ones. The Brewers had a punch and counterpunch offseason. The Cardinals have had an active offseason. The Cubs were mostly quiet. Now, you Darvish at the front of a rotation with John Lester, Kyle Hendricks. That makes the Cubs favorites to win again. Reckless speculation. Okay, the reckless speculation lines are open for the rest of the hour if you guys want to chime in here. And we'll mix in some other stuff. We got to get to a little Wolves talk, too. But Chris Archer, if you believe the Lavelle report, and I have no reason not to, you have no reason not to, they've made an offer to the Rays at some point the last couple of weeks for Chris Archer. What would you give up? Mm-hmm. Max Kepler is the one that they want in the package and then some other things. And then would you have gone the sixth year on a U Darvish contract? Would you have guaranteed him money through age 37? And I think that sort of segues into this question. And we've... We've had thoughts about this. I don't know if we've ever gone into the actual research. Do lucrative pitcher contracts pay off? And that was my first question when you're trying to figure out, okay, should they have gone? Like, how far should they go on this? I'm more comfortable personally with a shorter term contract and paying more money. Yep. Or giving an opt-out clause or something, which the Twins don't really believe in that because it gives too much leverage to the player, to which I say, you know what? Two years of you Darvish and he opts out, whatever. You got two years of you Darvish in a World Series window, maybe. So, $100 million contracts handed to pitchers in their late 20s or older going back the last, I don't know, 17 years or so to the late 90s. I counted 17 of them. Okay. And I'm maybe I'm missing a couple here, but I counted 17 of them. And only two of them were obviously valuable for the team. So, two of 17. Mm-hmm. And again, maybe there's 18 or 19. And I'm missing one or two here, but... The only two that were definitely worth it are in the middle of the contracts right now. Max Scherzer, who's three years into a seven-year contract. Now, if he gets hit by a bus tomorrow, maybe I I change my mind. But in those three years, he's won two Cy Young Awards, multiple no-hitters, and he's one of the best pitchers in in baseball, Yep, hands down. John Lester for the Cubs. He's three years into it. Was a little bit shaky last year, but for God's sakes, he helped them end a 108-year World Series drought. Yeah, you got a World Series, and title. he's been really good. Yeah, I say worth it. Here's the other categories. I've got, I've got definitely worth it. Two out of seventeen. Jury still out. Two out of seventeen on Steven Strasburg, who just signed one of these deals, but he's had injuries plaguing him. 
I think per start, he's incredibly valuable, but how many starts is he going to give you? Yep. Zach Granke, two years into a six-year contract that pays him $35 million per year. He missed a month last year due to, I'm sorry, two years ago due to injury and uh, had his highest ERA in 12 years. And then he bounced back, got back on track last year, but he's 34 years old. He still has four years left on this contract till he's 37. Jury's still out. Jury's still out. Mm-hmm. Here's another category. And chime in if you want If you want to chime in on any of these guys. Go ahead. All right. The not what you paid for, but not a total disaster category. <laughs> Two more guys out of 17. Cole Hamels, who has one more year left on a $20-plus million a year contract, one all-star game over that stretch. It was a six-year contract. Only showed up in the Cy Young voting once, sixth place. Mm-hmm. And he missed two months last year due to injury. So, like, okay, he so hasn't been a disaster. Six years at how much? Six years over $100 million. All right. These are all $100 million contracts. Right. Or, like, $20-plus million a year. I mean, the math works out. So they're all going to be, like, around $100 million or six-year lucrative contracts at the time of the signing. Mm-hmm. Justin Verlander's in the not what you paid for, but not a disaster category too. Because so he was awesome last year, but he still has a at least I think two years left, maybe three on a seven year contract, in which the first year of that deal he went from being unquestionably the best starter in baseball, mm-hmm. he won a Cy Young award and an MVP in the same year, to decreased velocity, he gave up the most earned runs of any pitcher in baseball the first year of that contract. And he missed two months in 2015 due to an injury. He did get back on track the last couple of years. So not a disaster, probably not what you paid for. Right. But you'd still, I mean, he helped the, He helped win a World Series for right. the Astros. But not for the team that signed him to that contract. Right. He went to another yeah. team to help them win and, a World Series. And I think the starting point of this conversation has to be, does the team that signed you to that contract get the payoff for it? Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Here's the other category. Mm-hmm. Absolute disasters. <laughs> All right. 11 out of 17 are absolute disaster contracts. And you can debate some of these if you want, but David Price so far, he's two years into a seven-year contract. Yep. He had the highest ERA of his of, of, in seven years for him in 2016, only made 11 starts last year because of injury, and fans and media already despise him in Boston. Yes, they'd love. I'm sure that they they would love to if they could get get rid of him somehow. Do so. Well, there's so. an opt out after this upcoming yeah. year, and it might. The yeah, both parties that's been might a just part mess. ways. Yep. Now, could he bounce back? Of course, but at this point, it's been a disaster. Right. It's not what they signed up for. Jordan Zimmerman. Oh yeah, this been a, well. This started off as a great one. Like his first two months of that contract, he was fantastic, and since then, and it's, then been it's been garbage. Been, yeah. Yeah. So he's two years into a six year contract, maybe seven with the Tigers. Had a 6.08 ERA last year, yep. and nobody gave up more earned runs in baseball than Jordan Zimmerman. Just an absolute disaster. Here's another one. Homer Bailey is four years into a $100-plus million contract. It's like a six- or seven-year contract. I, I forgot he got this contract. So he's only made 26 starts over the past three seasons with an ERA over six. I and he com- was this like bright starter, yeah. you know. I completely, he was like twenty seven when he signed the deal. I completely spaced out on the fact he got one of those contracts. Yes, I did too until like, I looked it up. All right, so here's a few more. All right, again, these, eleven out of the seventeen are disasters. So you can under, I can understand from both standpoints. Twins fans are like, pull the damn trigger, right. and give the guy an extra year. And smart front offices are like, eh, unless we can absorb this bad contract, and it's more likely than not that it'll be a bad contract. We should be careful. Yep, Cliff Lee. Couldn't even finish his contract. He had to retire at age 35 because of multiple elbow surgeries. 
So he signed it when he was like 32, which is around the same who, age Darvish is. Who signed him to that one? Phillies, I believe. Okay. Yeah. 20 plus million dollars a year. All right. Felix Hernandez, he's three years into a contract, seven years, and he's been either sidelined with injury, ineffective. Yeah. I mean, has any way, when's the last time you heard about Felix Hernandez well, pitching I, a jab? I think right? he's been breaking down, basically, yes. yes. He's only like 31. He's not even that old yet. Okay. CC Sabathia from 09 through 2015, and then he started signing more like one and two year contracts. Mm hmm. He was one of the worst starting pitchers in baseball over the final three years of that deal. Now, he did help the world's, the, the, the Yankees in his first year of that deal in 09. He did help them win a World Series. But the last three years of that contract, it was like 5 ERA, 480, 6 ERA. It was bad. Barry Zito. Oh, that one's, that's an oldie but goodie. With the Giants, right? Yes. That was a six-year deal. Man, that, was, that must have been signed in 2000. <laughs> Was that like 2007 or something? Oh, man. It, was, it feels yeah, like I it was ages ago because he was completely awful for most of yes. his time there. Johan Santana. Yeah, I got hurt. Yeah. Another one. When he was out there, he was fine. And right. he had a, it was like a seven-year contract. He had a couple good years with the Mets, but that was it. Johnny Cueto. He's two years into his Giants contract. Worst year of his career last year. Missed a bunch of time due to injury. Four and a half ERA. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I guess like some of these, you know, he has a chance to make it up, but it, it's bad. A lot of Giants contracts on here. Matt Kane is in the disaster bin. He just finished a six-year contract. When he signed it, he was like top five pitcher in baseball. ERAs of 580, 564, and 543 the last three years, and they're paying that dude 18 or $20 million a year. He retired, right? I don't know if he did. I thought he, called... he did pitch like 20 games for them last I year. I thought though. he called it quits finally. I mean, you might as well make but your $20 million why, before you call it quits. But and then there's two more. Okay. Old school. All Mike right. Hampton and Kevin Brown. Yes. Now, Kevin were, Brown wasn't quite as bad as people remember, but the last three to four those, years are pretty dead. Those two contracts were the cautionary tale for why why the rest of these contracts shouldn't have yeah. been given out. The, so it's actually 12, by the way, disasters. I miscounted. The, the Brown and Hampton contracts were, if you, if you wanted to teach a class on how to handle, as an executive, baseball executive, how to handle pitching contracts... The Kevin Brown and Hampton contracts were exhibits A and B of why you don't sign guys to six-year-plus contracts. But all of this leads me back to the Archer discussion. This is why the Archer path is so interesting to me, because you got four years, and he's not 23. So you've got his four, you've got four years at dirt cheap, basically, for a star pitcher, and he, that's going to take him to, I think, his age 33 season or so. And now we can, if if we all can get on the same page here, you can retain him at what should be a very reasonable structure. Because you're not, I would hope to God, you're not going to have a, at the age of 34, have a, a agent who then asks you for, let's say, five more years. Yeah. Uh, it's also worth noting, too, if you trade three top young players, including Max Kepler for Chris Archer, and it works, you'll never think twice about those prospects because he'll have brought you to playoff success. If it doesn't work after a couple of years, guess what? You can trade Chris Archer for two or three top prospects because he has two years left on his deal. Mm -hmm. So it's, I mean, it's um, unless they're asking for Byron Buxton and then like Royce Lewis and somebody sure. else. So there it is. It's the math is eighteen contracts of a hundred plus million dollars to pitchers the last couple decades. Might be missing one or two of them, but that's that seems like a pretty complete list. And twelve of them are total disasters. Two of them are absolute winners. 
And then there's kind of a middle ground of jury still out or not quite what you paid for, but you can justify it. And yet these contracts continue to be get given out. That's the incredible thing. Like no one's ever said, you know what, this is really a bad idea. Or perhaps they did, and then the Cubs came along on Saturday and said, "We still don't care." Yeah, and the Cubs are—I mean, the Cubs are going to say—and this is where the Twins' mindset should be. Let's talk more about that. I mean, I still, even with this, I still think the Twins' mindset should be: don't worry about the downside as much. You can win a World Series in the next few years if you trust that your lineup is ready to roll. And the phone lines are open. The reckless speculation phone line: six five one six four six eight two five five eight seven seven six one five fifteen hundred in the TCL broadcast studio. Speculation. What is this? Mackie and Judd now continue. Okay, thank you. On 1500 ESPN. And a cut in the mess comes back to get him. Freeze out on strikes. And that was just good old heat right there. And a cut in the miss. Archer strikes out the side. Yeah, he does because he does that more than almost any starting pitcher in baseball. As far as top strikeout starters... Chris Sale, Max Scherzer, Clayton Kershaw. I mean, Archer is in that mix of top strikeout starting pitchers. Yep. Had the 10th worst run support in the American League last year and second worst in 2016, too. So he has had to overcome some hurdles to have success in Tampa. Like he lost, quote-unquote, pitcher losses, a league leading 19 games a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. But the guy guy would spin gems and would get one or two runs of support because that Rays offense is pretty putrid the last few years. It's been Evan Longoria and pretty much guys bunting. And it's going to be worse now, right? Scrapping. Longoria's gone now, went to the Giants, yeah. so it'll get even worse this season. Yes. So, all right, what are your, now that we've kind of thought on this for the last three hours, here's a scenario from someone on Twitter. And again, 651-646-8255 if you want to chime in on your Chris Archer speculation. Um, Kepler, Gordon, Gonsalves. This is from Louie. There's a bunch of trade scenarios coming in here. Kepler, Gordon, Gonsalves, and Gabriel Moya, mm-hmm. left-handed reliever, for Archer. And then there's rumors Doogie is hearing that they want the Rays want to include Denard Span right. in, a, in a trade back so that you can eat like twelve million dollars in salary from Denard Span, who by the way can still play a little bit. Like you can you could put him yeah, in right field or platoon him or something him. for yeah. sure. For uh, so it would the, the deal would be Kepler, Gordon, Gonsalves. And then let's say some kind of a throw-in mm-hmm. for Archer and Span. I'm in. That's a that's a ton to give I'm up. I'm in. That's a ton to give up, and I do it based on on the four years that I control Archer's contract for. So yes, yeah. If I am, if you look at the rotation that we're talking about right now today, as uh, pitchers and catchers for the Twins get set to report on Tuesday, and you look at Santana, who they think is going to be back by May first, but come on, Santana had a great year. Last year, he's, what, 36 right now? 35? So you're expecting regression of some sort there. And now you're telling me that with the lineup that I've got, you're going to you're going to add Chris Archer at the top of my rotation. So it's going to go Archer, Barrios, Santana once he's back. I do it in a second. Yeah, And I'll go as far as saying, if you're serious about contending for a World Series this year, and maybe they're looking further out, you know, I think when Thad Levine and Derek Falvey took over the front office, I doubt if their three and five year plan included a potential World Series run in 2018 or even a playoff run in 2017. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone agreed that there was more talent here than the 
hundred loss record indicated. But it was going to take a few years. Yes. Yeah. But here they are. Yep. And you're looking around the American League and the National League too. But specifically, you're looking around at the Astros and the Yankees. The Yankees just traded for Giancarlo Stanton for God's sakes, and you're going to go into a series against them, regular season or otherwise, with what? With well, Kyle Gibson's going to be your three. I mean, Kyle yeah. Gibson's going to pitch against him probably. No, like, you better go in and, and miss a bat. And that's one thing for ten years. The Twins have been the worst team in baseball at missing bats with their pitchers. So if and, and if you take away if you take away Francisco Liriano and Glenn Perkins from that, it's way worse. I mean, it's already the worst. And Chris Archer would help fix that problem that you've had plaguing you for maybe two decades. Mm-hmm. Johan Santana is really the only bona fide bat missing starting pitcher outside of in and out injured Francisco Liriano. Archer's not going to pitch to contact. Absolutely. No, he will not. Absolutely. In fact, you know what? I would name my, my club upstairs now after him instead of bat and barrel. You would just Archers. name it Archers? I'd name it Archers. That's what I'll do. <laughs> I'll throw that in. I'll say, Chris, we like you so much that instead of this silly bat and barrel name that somebody dreamed up, I don't know who did, we're going to name it Archers. Archers Club. So, you know, we're not going to sign you to an extension because we're comfortable with just paying you yeah, way less than market value. $34 million but we'll name one of our exclusive yep. uh, bars inside Target. You can drink you. free beers with the fans after games in Archers. That's what I would do for Just them. give him a bronze statue. What the hell? Throwing out on the plaza for him now. Everyone else has one. <laughs> yeah, why not? TC the Bear got one. Why not Chris Archer? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Are you going to take an awkward picture next to Chris Archer's Archer? Damn straight, too? I will. That's what it takes to get this deal done. Creepy hand on your own thigh. Is that the photo where Judd had the plaid uh, shorts <laughs> yes. on and didn't know what to do with his hand? Yeah, I didn't know what to do with my hand in the picture. Hands. So you put it near your, near your crotch. I just. I put, it was no. It was not in my crotch. It was on my knee. No, my own, no. Yes, I'm going to find that yes, picture. Yes, it was. That was not on your anyway, knee, Anyway, this man. is what it takes to get the deal done for a Chris Archer statue and me being creepy around it. I'll do. In fact, you know what? I'll wear the trench coat. <laughs> And, and the shorts. And the mess shorts, okay? If that's what it takes to get this deal consummated. Oh, my God. That's awesome. It was just my offer, I'd say. You know, can, can you find that photo and send it out again so that we can do a poll? I don't think it's that odd. How how uncomfortable is Judd? I, I don't know what you do with your hand in that situation. <laughs> I've got it right around my knee, I There think. are pockets. You can just put your hands in the pockets. No, that would have short... looked even more awkward. <laughs> no, I would have been like, yeah, my Yeah, that's no. not really much better. No, yeah, because then and then you'd question where my hand really was. At least here you can see it. I believe it was Mrs. Zolged that took the photo, so I'm going through all her social media right now. I don't think okay. she did. Uh, no, I don't think she did take it. I think a guy on the uh, Bunny's bus took it for hey, us. Well, Dave mm-hmm. finds that photo. Let me throw another name at you. That I yeah. don't think we've mentioned this name on today's show for the like what's next after you Darvish discussion. Mm-hmm. We've mentioned Lance Lynn and Chris Archer and Alex Cobb. I know where you're going. Jake Arietta. Is that where you thought I was going? No, I thought you were going down the, the list farther. Oh no! J- okay. Well, uh, no, no, no I, I don't give a crap about no, Jaime Garcia. No, he doesn't make a difference. No, because I don't think I think uh, Scott Boris is going to hold out for way too much, God. and I'm not paying. There's no way I'm paying him as much as he's going to ultimately ask for. It's not peak Arietta. No. You'd be, so he here's his resume right now. He was maybe the best pitcher in baseball in 2015. He won a Cy Young Award. Yeah. He was untouchable. He had a he had a scoreless streak that went like several starts. He's 32 years old now. His innings have plummeted from 230 in 2015 to 168 last year. Yeah. He was and you know what? up with something. ERA is up almost two runs. Oh, God, there it is. There's the photo. Did you find it? Yes, I did. It's not that bad. That is way higher than your knee, my man. <laughs> okay, it's on my thigh, maybe. It might be on my thigh. 
Uh, hey, I, I had a few beers, okay? I mean, my gosh, it's not like you can't see my hand. You know exactly where it is. Uh-huh. Okay, send it out. Yeah, I will. Okay, good. What's the question? What's the poll question? <laughs> is, I don't know. How uncomfortable, is, how uncomfortable does, does Judd make is you? Ju is Judd's hand in an appropriate place for a public photo? How about that? Send it out! Oh, Lord. Send it out! All right, I'll get this done. Jake Arrieta. Jake Arrieta does yeah, nothing. No, no, no. And and the thing about him is if he was still as good as Scott Boris thinks he is, the Cubs would have re-signed him. I wonder if the Scott Boris, brought him back. if every binder he walks into every meeting with starts, it's just like he replaces the name and some of the stats, and it always says you know $200 million dollars on the front. If I if I was Felvey, I, I would have a book of matches right there. And when Boris put the binder down, I'd light it on fire. You have some kerosene and some yep, matches. I'd be like, dude, this is what this hey, means Scott, to me. Thanks for coming in. We got our own binder. You're shaking his hand with yep. one hand and you're pouring kerosene, kerosene on the binder. Yep. And I'm lighting the the uh, the matches and I'm saying, I got my own binder. Or you could have a fireplace in the conference room and then have you know have your administrative assistant. Hey, uh, Karen, could you just uh, yeah, could you just take this binder for us, please? Thanks, Scott, for bringing it in. And she walks over to the fireplace <laughs> throws, in the conference room, starts to rip out the page. <laughs> no, just starts to rip out the pages individually and toss them in as kindling. Yeah, I, there's no way I'm I'm not going near him. But I, like, I don't want Jake Arrieta for forget about two hundred million. I don't want him for a hundred million. Correct. But if you could get Jake Arrieta for three years and fifty million dollars or something. Okay, but even then, I don't know. The guy, it, it feels like the guy is ready for some Tommy John at some point. You never know. If I felt that his representation was sane, I might say that that's a possibility, but I don't think he is. I think Boris is going to hold out until he gets, till somebody pays this guy way too much. Yeah. I would much rather go down the Cobb or Lynn route on a somewhat reasonable contract than, than, than roll the dice on a guy who had a great 2015. Yeah, and Cobb or Lynn would definitely help your rotation, especially if Lynn got back to where he was before the surgery, where he was like a legit playoff rotations. I think he might have helped them. When's the last time they won a World Series? I mean, he he was pitching some big games for the Cardinals before his injury. Mm -hmm. But the gap between what Cobb and Lynn are now to what Archer could be with a great defense and a center fielder behind him point, and some run from, support. from before... What's to stop you from saying, let's do both? Let's try Agreed. both of them. Could you, let's try and make the trade with Tampa and let's sign Cobb. At this goal, I, at this point, I think your goal should be to what you just said go pay $60 million over four years for Lance Lynn, which might be stretching it, but you know what? You can get out of it after maybe there's a team option in there. You front load it, there's a team option to get out of the fourth year and trade three of your top prospects, including Max Kepler, for Chris Archer. And now, yeah. now your rotation is if you want real reckless speculation. Speculation. Archer, Barrios, Lynn, mm -hmm. eventually Irvin Santana. Yeah. Now you feel pretty good going to war. You're missing some bats. You you feel pretty good going to war with the better teams in the American. And League. right now, but, you, and right now you don't. No, but all of this is a pipe dream for the Twins, who've never done either of those things. Well, they've done the they've done the fifty or sixty million dollar contract with Nolasco and with Santana. Irvin Santana. So like. If they were to sign Lance Lynn, it would be the third time they've done that, if you want to include the Phil Hughes extension. But the two things they've never done are sell off two or three top prospects for a stud pitcher mm -hmm. or pay $100 million or stretch a little bit for that top starting pitcher on the free agent market. Think about if they if they miraculously did both those things, the change of perception of this team now in its division. The too. change of reality, yeah. But I'm saying, like, Cleveland, right now you look at Cleveland and you say, uh, for the Twins' sake, with this rotation, which is not that good, you think wild card maybe again, maybe not. 
if you made if you signed Lynn and traded for Archer, you would then say this team could be com- competitive. They could be competitive with Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Because right now, I'm sorry, but you can't parade out a rotation that's got Kyle Gibson as your three and Mejia as your four and tell me that you could take that completely seriously. Mm-hmm. You can't. No, wouldn't it be awesome, though, for the Twins? Like, if Kyle Gibson at age 30, if the second half of the year wasn't a fluke and now he's viable, too, that would be the best-case scenario. That's, but now we're really talking that's pipe hold, That's holding your breath right there. Really p- talking reckless speculation. Reckless speculation! Um, what's the what's the verdict on the verbiage for this Judd question here? How about just simply how does the photo of Judd with the TC statue make you feel? Okay. I love I'm it. able. To, I'm unable to make it an actual poll and also include you do the photo. You That's can't fine. do both, but people can certainly comment away. All right, let's do that. There. Yes, All let's right. do that. Good. Uh, also, if someone here's a challenge for you, for anyone, for a caller, can you tell me why and prove it why Andrew Wiggins is a better basketball player than Zach Levine, who dropped 35 on the Wolves on Friday night? And I'm going. I got a question for you that I want answered about this guy because I think we need to solve the problem about Wiggins. Yes, about Wiggins. Right. We need to solve the problem. Phil Mackey. I just love the fact that every time he comes on, you get insight about stuff that you don't know. Judd Zolgad. Every time he's just full of insight. He's he's kind of an open book. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Uh, before we get into this Wolves discussion here, <laughs> Mackey and Judd poll question on our Twitter account. <laughs> How does this photo of Judd with the TC Bear statue in 2017 make you feel? Last summer, yeah. It's Judd with some questionable hand placement. I think the inverted right knee I told, makes it look like you're, I told I don't you know. off air, I was slipping off TC's lap and needed to brace myself with that knee. So that leg was used right. because That's the good. TC, the bear, is all shiny and I was starting to slip. Yeah, J- Jim emails the show. On the picture of Judd with TC Bear, I have, I've never had a reason to come out of the closet, but I might now. Well, is it, I mean... I mean, TC Bear is a male bear, but I think there's more going on there if that's your relationship oh, was, status. Jeremy, that's a that's a much larger closet if mascot bears is your type of thing. Jeremy says it, it looks like TC was whispering in my ear to, to move my hand somewhere else. That's not true. He was not. <laughs> Sonia says definitely looks uncomfortable for TC Bear. Jeremy said it's like TC is whispering in Judd's ear to move his hand yeah. somewhere else. Yeah, that's what I just said. I mean, yeah, he was not whispering. Definitely looks uncomfortable for TC Bear. That's good. Uncomfortable on a number of levels, says my buddy Jason Wildey. Weighing in from Green Bay. How about that? Side pop by Carl Anthony Towns is good. And he is off to an excellent start. There's a set shot. Basically, never even left the floor. Carl Anthony Towns finishing, and he is fouled. Chance for one more. Well, we didn't play well, but we, we did enough to win in the end. Uh, last night they did. The Wolves end their little skid. They lost a couple games on the road. They come back and beat a pretty miserable Kings team. But let's go back to Friday night here real quick. Because Zach Levine, that was the first time the Wolves got to see Zach Levine post-injury in a Bulls uniform. Mm-hmm. And that dude dropped 35 points and a bunch of great... He had... Clutch shots and clutch moments in the fourth quarter to help put that game over the top. Correct. Uh, Grabbed a handful of rebounds. He was active. He was all over the place. And the last five games, he's been averaging, I think, like between 25 and 30 points for the Bulls. He's getting just kind of free reign offensively. I remember posing this notion before the Wolves traded Levine and Dunn and what wound up being the rights to the uh, marketing pick Mm -hmm. that 
he is a better basketball player or might be than Andrew Wiggins. And the Wiggins apologists absolutely, I remember them jumping down my throat. I found the tweet. I saw the responses. And I want to bring this up again today. Not because of like the 35-point performance, but it stands out in your head. I still think Zach Levine is a better basketball player than Andrew Wiggins. And if you look at the tail of the tape and you and you categorize like seven or eight different things, you can't tell me the opposite. You can't. Like objectively, Zach Levine is better in almost every measurable category yep. other than height and maybe scoring at the rim. Like if you look at analytics, check mark Zach Levine. Defense, both are pretty rough. You might make an argument for Wiggins defensively, but... That's that's like saying that Christian Ponder is a better quarterback than Spurgeon Wynn. Okay, well, neither one of are good at quarterbacking. Scoring. Zach Levine more efficient. He scores more per shot than Wiggins. Wiggins shoots more. And because you only have a capped amount of shots in a game because the game is timed, um, like if, if it takes you 30 shots to get to 30 points mm-hmm. and it only takes me 20 shots, then I'm a more efficient offensive player, which Levine is. He's better from long range. He's one of the best three-point shooters in the league. Shot selection. Wiggins takes a lot more long twos than Zach Levine and almost any player in the NBA. Levine, it's mostly threes and closer shots. Ball handling, not close. Levine can run the point. He's not great at it, but he can run the point. He's a better ball handler. It's not even close. Uh, Wiggins spends probably five minutes each game just trying not to dribble the ball off of his foot out of bounds. Passing and rebounding. Per 36 minutes, Zach Levine career averages two more assists plus rebounds than Andrew Wiggins. And then this other category, I would say like work ethic, passion, is he fired up? How much does he appear to care? Yeah. That's not close either. And behind the scenes, people would tell you the same thing. So uh Collar and I talked about this on the Saturday show for quite some time. And I think what we need to start doing now, and it, this uh, all came off the conversation that while Levine was fantastic in the fourth quarter on Friday, Wiggins played five plus minutes in the fourth quarter, had zero points and did nothing. And the apologists all came back and said, it's not Wiggins' fault that Butler gets the ball and Tibbs does not use him correctly. And this is not his fault. This is Tibbs' fault. Here's where I think the conversation needs to go starting today when it comes to this young man and what he wants from his life as a basketball player. What do you do with him? What is his role? What is it, Andrew Wiggins, that you say you do here? I think we need to get to that conversation, and I think it's not only for his sake, it's also for Tibbs' sake. This guy next year is going to be a max player. You're paying him incredible money. But here's what's clear. If he doesn't have a role, he's lost. He's lost. If Jimmy Butler gets hurt, guess what? Wiggins is going to play, and he's going to score lots of points, and we're all going to go, this is incredible, now look at him. All right, but Jimmy Butler's playing a lot, and that's just fine. Um, So I think what we need, I think where this show as we often are the most progressive show in town needs to go is not lamenting, but finding out what should his role be. Collar suggested, and this sounds crazy at first, and then you think about it and it's a little less crazy, that perhaps he should be off the bench. That's not crazy at all. So, no. but 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 what I'm saying is that's what we need to do. But we, you're paying, then you're paying a max contract exa- and that's to a guy coming and, off the, and the that's bench. What, and that's what sounds crazy. I think you should try to trade him. But b- that's my point. This offseason. But if you don't trade him, what is, as long as Butler is here, what is Andrew Wiggins' define role? That's the next step here. Yeah, and I saw someone mention this on uh, Twitter last night. I believe it was one of the the Wolves blogosphere is awesome in this town. That this team's chances to go deep or or whatever this team's upside is rests more on Andrew Wiggins than Butler and Cat. Hmm. Because Butler and Cat, out, outside of Carl Anthony Towns maybe not shooting 
often enough. Like you could make an argument, everything about his game, and, and there's room to grow defensively. I'm not saying that there's no room to grow for Carl Anthony Towns, but Jimmy Butler is maxing out his potential. Towns is much closer to maxing out his potential than Wiggins is, say. That if Wiggins can start to close that gap even more and kind of figure it out in four or five different areas that he's mostly clueless in still four years into the NBA, that's the area where the Wolves can get even better. Yes. Where, hey, you know what, Butler's, he's just not feeling it tonight, or or Towns is missing shots. Well, okay, now Wiggins steps up and grabs seven rebounds and dishes out six assists. And like Andrew Wiggins has been in the NBA for four years. This is one thing that. People are going to scoff at, but because triple-doubles are kind of nebulous, and LeBron James could get a triple-double every night if he wanted to. He just doesn't have the same itch to do it as Russell Westbrook, for instance, or James Harden. He's been in the league, Andrew Wiggins, for four years. Mm -hmm. Has he ever even flirted with a triple-double? Now, this is one of the most supremely athletic players in the league, right? Getting 10 rebounds, if he he chose any given night to grab 10 rebounds, Mm -hmm. he would have no problem doing so. If he chose on any given night to drive to the hoop and dish and get teammates 15 open looks, mm-hmm. he would have no problem getting the... Now, if they knock the shots down or not, he has no control over that. I don't think in how many 300-plus NBA games he's ever even flirted with a triple-double, and that's a choice by him, or it's just ineptitude in other areas besides pulling up from 20 feet. Yep. Um, so, you know, to answer your original question, what should he be? I think he should start with just being more efficient offensively. Get rid of the long twos with a hand in your face. Stop taking so many threes until you figure out how to hit him at a 40% clip. Get to the rim. But then it's like, get to the line. He shoots 65% and, from the free throw line, too. And this is why... And last night he was sleepwalking for large yeah, chunks and, of that game. But, but this is why when, when people say, well, Tibbs doesn't play him enough in, in the fourth, so it's not fair. Tibbs doesn't play him enough in, in the fourth because he doesn't trust him. Butler plays too much. And if Wiggins was trusted by his head coach, guess what? Butler might have his minutes pulled back a little bit. But the head coach doesn't trust him. The other the other realization, and this is very uh, this is very difficult because of the contract that's about to kick in. And and I brought this up with uh, Collar. The other realization about Andrew is this: watch him play the game. Watch him play last night. Prime example last night. I've always contended and said on this show for a long time, there's a lot of football players that hate the sport. They just don't like the sport. They're extremely talented, and they have and they have God-given gifts to play the sport, yeah. and that makes them millions of dollars, and so they play the sport until they don't have to. Does Andrew, you ever watch him play and you think to yourself, this guy loves basketball? Because there's a lot of times I see him play, and I no. think, this guy is really good at basketball, and he tolerates it. But Jimmy Butler plays like it's the last game of his life every second. And I'm not saying that the majority of players are going to do that, but there's somewhere in between there, and Andrew's at the, to me, at the opposite scope of that. I watch Andrew Wiggins and think he's his demeanor and his body language is that of a 17-year-old kid who doesn't know who he is. It's almost and this is gonna be pretty deep and it's sort of reckless to speculate this based on body language, but Andrew Wiggins looks like he's always thinking about what people are thinking of him. And so he's very much too cool for school. He comes out of a huddle last night with 50 seconds to go, and he's kind of like fake yawn, kind of rubbing the head, and too nonchalant. Yeah, I saw it. It looked like it's, it's, it's like when you're, you don't want to show too much emotion because that would be uncool. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's that too cool for school attitude. And, um, you know, part of it's just like Kawhi Leonard's not very demonstrative, and Tim Duncan wasn't very demonstrative. 
but their games were much more complete too. Wiggins just seems like such an incomplete person in a lot of ways. When you watch his body language, it's like, where's the pa- dude? Right. You're about to get paid like twenty five million dollars a year to do something that you're incredibly skilled at, and it's almost like you couldn't care less with your attitude. You could, if you watched him last night in the last fifty, he and he did have a really nice block to start. Uh, a wolf's possession the other way. It was and a foul, like, but it was a nice block. Right, yeah. and then he's like slow dribble back up the court. And I don't think you can ever just gauge someone's worth in sports based on how emotional they are. Otherwise, Nick Punto would be the greatest twin of all time because he got his jersey dirty and uh, and he's always passionate. So it's not about passion or emotion leading to your worth as a player. But I want to see something. Well, I mean, Zach Levine goes to the bench and like slams his fist on a chair, and you can tell he's there. He's passionate. And Wiggins, like all of the things that you heard about him in Kansas, yeah, you know, he's really talented, but he kind of floats and he's not really that into it. It's four years in the NBA, and don't you don't you think the same thing? And at what point are we allowed, I mean, you and I do it, but are we allowed to just openly criticize a guy who's about to make 25 or $30 million a year in a cap league? And if you look bored during a timeout or, or coming out of that timeout, you know what, okay, that's fine. But when the clock starts and you still look bored... Think about this one. How often do you watch a Wolves game when Cat is on the floor and not see Cat? There are several times when I watch Wolves games where I'm like, is is Wiggins on the floor? And then I have to find him. If Cat's on the floor, I rarely have to think, I wonder if he's out there or not. Yeah. It's just this. And, and But I do go back to this. If you want Butler to play less and Wiggins to play more, he's going to have to be trusted by Tibbs. And I think there's no question when you look at how much Andrew plays in the final quarter right now that that trust is not near being there. Yeah. And this is a max player. That's a problem. And this is uh, here's so Matt chimes in on Twitter. Levine is one of the worst defenders in the NBA per NBA's defensive rating statistic. Levine has the 17th worst defensive rating. Uh, Wiggins has the fourth best defensive rating. I don't know what metrics. I'd like to see more on those metrics because I'm on basketball reference right now. First of all, the eye test tells me both aren't good at defense. Uh, But according to NBA reference or basketball reference, defensive net rating, career. So let's just go career. Andrew Wiggins, 100 is average. Or actually, I should take that back. 100 is very good. Anything higher, you start to get bad. You don't want a higher number. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Wiggins is 114. Again, the lower the number, the better. Wiggins is 114 per 100 possessions. And uh, Zach Levine is exactly the same. And this year, Zach Levine's a 109, which again is better than Wiggins' 112 defensive net rating. But the eye test would tell you neither one of them are. Right, but. And like if Wiggins, if Wiggins has a better defensive net rating, he's oftentimes on the court with Jimmy Butler for large chunks and Taj Gibson. The point, the point. So if you're on the court when the defense is better, you're you're also gaining the benefits of being with those guys. But to me, the point was this: on Friday in in the final quarter of that game, Thibodeau didn't trust Wiggins to basically play. He played him five minutes, a little bit more. He scored no points. He did nothing for you. Yeah, nothing. This is a max player. He gave you nothing. And don't give me, well, that that's Tibbs' fault. Okay, why didn't Tibbs play him more? Because he doesn't trust him to play him more. And and the problem here is that means that he's going to insist on playing Butler more and more. And there and there are uh, final quarters right now where you see Butler play, and he looks completely gassed. Yeah. And you I, need Wiggins to gain that trust. And all I would add to this is, like, at, at some point, if you're in the NBA for four years and you're about to make $25, 30000000 million a year on a max contract, you should be susceptible to criticism when there's a huge gap between you and some of the other players that are going to be making that kind of money. 
Like I should I should expect more than five combined rebounds and assists if you're having an off night offensively, or even if you're not. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's LeBron James type money that he's about to make. That's that's Russell Westbrook, James Harden type money that he's about to start making. Mm-hmm. I mean, Steph Curry's going to make forty million dollars. It's not so. There's like another tier above this even, but that's big boy money in a salary cap league, and it's on the Wolves for taking that chance and signing him, even though there wasn't much of a choice. Like. You either trade him or you sign him. You're not going to let him You're walk. You're going to have to find a role for him. He's going to have to have a role because it's not being a superstar because you can't p- put him out there and trust that. Yeah. Um, 651-646-8255 if, uh, if you want to chime in on that. Let's talk about the best car dealership in the Twin Cities here, Luther Brookdale Toyota. In fact, right now, the Toyota Camry 2018, you can get a lease, a 36-month lease for only $199 per month. The bells and whistles and the upgrades – from a couple years ago, we're talking upgraded interior, exterior, new sleek look. Also, Entune system with a touchscreen that allows you to, you know, just like you would with a smartphone, push, pull on the map with your fingers. I mean, hell, you could book a dinner reservation in your car on the touchscreen now in these Toyotas. It's pretty incredible. And the new safety features, it started with reverse cam several years ago, and I've always enjoyed reverse cam, but now it's like, the vehicle senses when you might be about to run into something and lane correction, all these things. So I recommend stopping by either in person, open until 9 o'clock tonight, ask for a test drive from Tony or Paula Badu, anyone in that showroom area. Or you can snoop around the website, LutherBrookdaleToyota.com, and find out all about the 2018 models. Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd are back. Come on, boys, we're going to do it again. <laughs> On 1500 ESPN. Side pop by Carl Anthony Towns is good, and he is off to an excellent start as a set shot. Basically, never even left the floor. Carl Anthony Towns finishing, and he is fouled. Chance for one more. Towns has 27 points. I saw Jim Pete retweeted some nugget early this morning about Carl Anthony Towns that among players in the history of the NBA who are seven feet or taller mm-hmm. that have taken a certain amount of three-point shots, like 100 three-point shots, so seven-footers who shoot. Carl Anthony Towns now has the two highest single-season true shooting percentages in the history of the league. Dirk Nowitzki has the rest, like third, fourth, fifth, sixth. Yep. So as great of a shooting big man as we have looked at Dirk Nowitzki as being for 15 or 20 years, Towns is better that's amazing. I think it was Jim Pete who said last night, too, and he's exactly right, that we need to stop and appreciate the fact how good this guy is. Yes. Like how fortunate we are to get to watch the, this guy consistently. Because you see him hit threes, now. it's like, oh, yeah, okay, that's what he does. No, it's not normal. No. I mean, it's not completely normal. He steps back, and every time he does it, because he's seven feet tall, and the way you've watched basketball for your whole life is if a guy is like 20 feet away from the hoop and there's a defender in his face— Maybe if you're a shooting guard, you can get away with that shot, but not a, like a seven footer should never shoot that. Oh my God, a hand in his face, cash. Yep, cash. Yep, step back three, cash. Oh, he is. Uh, he's incredible now, and only only improving by the game. Basically, I mean, w- once his game is together completely defensively, think about how good that guy's going to be. Yeah, and he's been better with the eye test than he was in the first couple months. There was something off in the first couple months with him. It was He was almost like defiant on the court when they were giving up all kinds of points and you know they were blowing leads, and he just looked, he wasn't helping. Some of those screenshots you'd see of him just choosing to not step up and get in mm-hmm. front of a guy who's driving to the lane, it was like... Joel Embiid, man. It was weird. Called him out. I think it, it might have helped. Sure, which is ridiculous that it would take well, sure, that. But, but that's 
you know, young guys now, he called him out, embarrassed him, and he thought, I'm going to do something. So, yeah. But he is, when, when you watch him shooting threes right now, it's become so routine that it's, it's easy to say, ah, that's simple and it's really not. Yes. So. Uh, so we forgot, this is totally my fault because I'm sort of the keeper of the predictions in our Write That Down segment on Fridays. Write that down. Write this down. So we teased that we had three great listener predictions at the beginning of that segment, and then I just completely forgot to deliver them on the airwaves. We have tracked them, and they are in our prediction inventory. Okay. We didn't say them on the actual Write this down. on the actual radio during the segment. So here are the listener predictions from Friday's Write That Down session, just to make sure we're all on the up and up, and these are all on the record. All, all right? right. We've got one. We've got predictions from Hal, Mike, and Roderick. Let's start with the one from Hal. He says St. Cloud State Hockey will, this is a multi-part college hockey parlay. St. Cloud State Hockey will win the national championship. Don Lucia's last year's Gophers coach will be this year. Wow. And Troy Terry will win the Hobie Baker Award. So a hat trick, so to speak. All yes. three have to be it. Okay. Yes. Okay. Write this down. Write it down. You like writing things down. Mike S., has this prediction that the Eagles and Vikings will play each other in prime time week one Thursday night to start the year and a parlay. Mm-hmm. The Patriots Vikings will take place week two on Monday night. So Vikings would go on the road, I think on the road for Eagles. I know on they the road on for the Patriots. Road. No, no, but they'd not, start no. back to back on the road against the Super that, Bowl teams no. No, in prime time. It's extremely bold. The league won't do that. They're, I mean, they're definitely going to do, they're gonna do one of those. Patriots at home, if the Patriots were at U.S. Bank Stadium, I'd say he might be right. They're not going to do that. They wouldn't go Vikings I, I think back go to back? Philly. I, I think they're going to go Philly Thursday night, but not then at the Patriots again. Right. Write it down. You like writing things down. And Arch. then this one from Roderick. The Wolves will lose in the first round of the playoffs. The Wolves will not get that, out of the first round That goes against my prediction that they beat OKC, I think I Write predicted. this down. So there it is. All right. We forgot to do that on Friday. We're sorry. But uh, those are logged. All right. You can find us on demand, Mackie and Judd show page, 1500ESPN.com, if you missed any of our reckless twin speculations. Go get Chris today. Archer now. Go do it. Just give up Max Kepler and whoever else they want besides Royce Lewis. Right.